Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome to the podcast. We don't know the name of this podcast yet, but we'll figure it out. I am the host, Jason, along with my co-host, Ariel. What's up, guys? And we're just going to dive into the ESPN 25 under 25 list. So we kind of think the list was all right. Definitely had some major errors, but they just want to get some controversy and popularity. So we'll give them the attention they want. So just to start things off, Luka Doncic is at number one on the list. Zion Williamson is number two. And LaMelo is at number three. And we already have some issues right there. Yeah, I think ESPN is looking too much at potential and not looking at what's actually on the court right now. Right now, I think it's a stretch, a big stretch, to say someone like LaMelo Ball is better than the people directly after him. Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, and Ben Simmons. Even even Devin Booker and Bam Adebayo are playing significantly better than what LaMelo played last year. I think they're looking look too much into the future on what he could become instead of what he is right now. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, they're just they're putting him over solidified all stars, and I don't know. I hope Lamelo Ball is all that, but I'm not sure. I mean, obviously he has superstar potential and he's done really well in his first season, but he is over solidified all stars in Jason Tatum and some guy that just went to the finals in Bam Adebayo. And we really don't know too much about Lamelo. We haven't even seen his rookie wall yet because he got injured and. He came into the league pretty polished, coming from or playing pro for two years already. So maybe Lamelo just came into floor, uh, came in, came into basketball or the NBA with a really high floor, and maybe we don't know how high his ceiling is. Another thing with Lamelo being this high, I think if you look at the teams, the players below him, someone like a Donovan Mitchell or as you're saying, Bam Adebayo, they're putting up better stats and they're making bigger con- contributions to their teams while also being a part of better teams. Like, they are making more of an impact on a better team than what LaMelo is doing. Although LaMelo is doing a good job, uh, or was, until he got injured, uh, with the Hornets. People like Donovan Mitchell and Bam Adebayo have significantly more uh, weight to their team than uh, LaMelo Ball. So what I think is so hard about these lists is that they just have to do it based off potential. And, I mean... Nobody really knows what the solidified end product of these people of these players are going to be, right? So it's really hard to do these things off potential just because nobody really knows. And it's impossible to see a name like LaMelo over a Jason Tatum right now and just be like, that's correct, because we don't know their potential. So I feel like if I were to do a list personally, I would just do like top 25, under 25, like at the moment. So I would put like the all-star goes under the guys with like a ton of potential. But maybe that's just me. I could be really wrong, but isn't that what this list is supposed to be? Most uh, isn't it supposed to be a list based off how they are now? When you put you put, I I think I think it's based off of potential because that's the only thing that makes sense. If this list is not based off of potential, then it is completely garbage because Lamelo Ball at the moment is not better than, I mean, he's not better than Jalen Brown, who's at number twelve, and Lamelo's at number three, and. Also, with the potential, someone, somebody like DeMontis Sabonis is at 18 is lower than Mikel Bridges at 17. And DeMontis Sabonis was an all-star this year. It must be a combination of both then, of both then because you, you, you couldn't make an argument that Mikel Bridges is better than DeMontis Sabonis. You know, I, I have to admit, talking about Mikel Bridges, I'm surprised to even see him. Or, I mean, I guess I could see him like the 24, 25 spot. But to see him anywhere over like 23 
is very surprising to me, especially when they snub someone like an RJ Barrett from the list in general, who is the second best player on a playoff team this year. So I, I'm I'm very confused. I mean, I I guess you can make an argument for Mikhail Bridges that he does a lot of things that don't show up in the stat sheet, and you could say something similar to Lamelo Ball, but um, I don't think that would justify putting him over Demontis Sabonis and even a guy like. Uh, Collins that Sexton, who I also think is too low on this. I list. mean, look at look at Trey Young at 16. Like that, he was a an all-star starter in his second year. He's he's 16th in the 25 under 25 list. I mean, that's just kind of crazy. Um, and right the coverage is only one lower than it. Right now, there's just such a hate for Trey Young, though. Like the way he plays, everyone like he didn't get voted voted it as an all-star this year, and when he was putting up all-star numbers so there's clearly like a big bias against him right now among nba officials and media members because of the way he plays and well, i, I kind of feel like everybody wanted trey young and was hoping trey young would like kind of fall into like the steph curry category where he just shot amazingly and he did these amazing plays all the time which he does sometimes but a lot of his game obviously goes down to the free throws and foul baiting and that's just not pleasant to watch just a million free throws a game and people jumping into other people so i could see why he's getting a low reputation and his name is kind of being dragged compared to all the other guys on the list so another big thing with trey young is that until recently uh like the last two three weeks his name he he couldn't take a team and help them and he couldn't he couldn't lead a winning culture uh which you'd hope he could do at this point in his career with the pieces that he has around him. I think he could shake that in the upcoming weeks as they have a new coach and their new system. And they're like, this could be wrong, but they're like 10 and four. Uh, while um, the new coach is in power. So he's starting. I, I think it has a lot to do with winning in general. What? In power. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. They're in their last 10, they're five and five. But I think they did go on that five winning streak, so they are around ten and five. Yeah, I think. maybe I'm wrong. I could, I could be wrong. That's just off the top of my head. I remember them uh, having a nice little win streak once their new coach uh, took over. But I, I, I do, list I, is. I, I do think Trey Young could could easily lead a team. Um, the the thing that's so weird about the Hawks is that they have so many players that are like mid they have so many players that are just solid starters and not really more than that like they have like or they're they're a little bit better than solid starters like i guess the best like his second his second option is john collins who wants a max this season so that's got to be weird for the locker room but then everyone else is kind of around the same category like you got like deandre hunter and and bogdanovich and kevin herter and those people are all good basketball players but none of them are like amazing none of them are Stephen clay right they're trey young and bogdanovich right well what uh what they'll need to do is since they have so many players at similar skills levels and basically the same position hopefully this offseason they'll make a trade and try and trade uh do a similar something similar to what the lakers did a few summers ago trade for ad use those solid players and then some picks uh to get a they couldn't get an ad with those picks but they could get a solid solid 
borderline all-star. They could probably get someone like a DeMontis Sabonis uh, if they tried hard enough. Um, because I think if they threw some of their picks and some of their young players, they could try to land someone like a Bradley Beal. And that would make that team go crazy. Yeah, they they could do that. But I feel like mm, I'm so quite skeptical of uh, the the age difference between, like, you, you have such a young core with, like, assuming they decide to bring back John Collins, John Collins and Trey Young, and then you bring a Bradley Beal, who's in the prime of his career. It's like, uh, is that team really set up to win? It's It's similar to what I was thinking a few weeks ago. Uh, with the Bulls and Dusevich. Uh but can they really win with the difference in uh, like age and where the players are at their career if they traded for like a Bradley Beal kind of guy? Well, I think that the Hawks are going to want to try to win now while they have Trey Young on his rookie contract because once he gets off of that, he's going on a max, and that's just a guaranteed. So. You want to like win while he's on that rookie contract, and he doesn't have this huge cap hit. So maybe you could bring in a guy like Bradley Beal, and you could still have room for another max because Trey Young is on a small contract, and that's really what you want. And that's why that age difference might actually be worth it. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Uh, I think uh, that's definitely doable if they can. But the the thing is, it's so hard. I mean, it's a good idea in like theory, but it's so hard to attract big free agents, especially to somewhere like Atlanta. Like, oh, what do you mean it's Atlanta, bro? Like, they got like strip clubs the- over there. They got like the nightclubs over there. There's so many good things in Atlanta. Hey, it's not okay. a Memphis. It's not a Memphis, bro. <laughs> it's not a Minnesota. It's not like Cleveland. When was the last time you saw a star be like, hey, I want to go to it? Vince Carter. <laughs> he was 40. Yeah. Well, that's because they were the only team that would play in. What? He's still a star, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, nah, I guess they don't really have the free agent. But I mean, they are one of those cities where a free or where a free agent can be like, I want to set a reputation here because I mean, they have an amazing culture in that city, and isn't isn't Quavo from? I might be wrong there. Yeah, they just have an amazing culture, and they have they they have a solid team right now, and I do think that they can do well in the future. They have to. I I think if they want to do that, they'd have to mostly acquire stars through trade trading, though, because it's really hard to compete with the big market teams. Although you could say Atlanta is a big market team, but they're not like Florida, New York, or L or California, California bubble, yeah. which is where most people want to go in free agency. It seems like. Um, well, what, what's crazy? What's crazy is that when you look at the top twenty-five list. Like, Luka Doncic, Zion, LaMelo, Donovan Mitchell, and even all the way down, like, 10 through 15, Shea, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown, Jamal Murray. It's like, these are amazing names, like, in the moment. Most of these guys are already, like, all-stars are in the cusp of being all-stars. And that's, I mean, that's just amazing. Like, the league is going in a different direction. These guys' names are going to be highlighted for, like, 10 more, 20 more years. It's amazing. I think... I think the league's definitely in good hand with hands with these players. You can see probably like I could say a solid seventeen or eighteen of these guys have all star potential in their future. Uh so it is it is nice to see how the 
uh, the league has uh, ha- <laughs> great English. Uh, what was I saying? Just like cut this out. It's nice to see how the league has evolved, right? Yeah, yeah, it is yeah. nice to see how the league has evolved. I literally lost my complete train of thought there. The more you um, look at the list, man, like, like all the way down to twenty-four, Lonzo Ball and twenty-five, Colin Sexton. The more you're just like, why is Mikel Bridges at seventeen? <laughs> like, he has no reason. So, I guess Mikel Bridges is just the perfect in between of where they're trying to go potential and good for the moment because he's like he's got like half of both, but he's not like amazing at either. So it's like. I think what they're saying is that he's he's a really solid player on a really solid team, and they're ranking him higher than like a Jared Allen or like a John Collins because he is leading to a winning culture with the how he's playing. Even though he may not be putting amazing stats up, what he's doing, his defense and his shooting, is helping improve the team as a whole more than what like a Colin Sexton or Lonzo Ball. But He's how doing. much of an effect do Mikel Bridges has had on this winning culture? I would say that all goes to Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Obviously, but I th- I think uh, I'm just trying to look in through the eyes of the people who made this list to understand what they're really doing because it I mean it doesn't make that much sense because you could you could make a similar argument to someone like for like, like Lonzo Ball although his, the, the Pelicans suck but um. See, uh, I, he, I would rather. I think I would rather have R.J. Barrett in that spot than Mikel Bridges, just because R.J. Barrett has a a bigger role on his team, and his team is playing well. The Knicks, for the first time, are in playoff contention. Isn't that just crazy? It's the Knicks, but yeah, the Knicks or R.J. Barrett is playing well. He's shooting on good efficiency, and I mean, he's just having a really good season compared to last year. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think a lot of that's attributed to Julius Randle and what he's done this season. But, but I, I, I definitely think it's crazy. It's so crazy how uh, R.J. Barrett didn't even get a spot on this list. Like, especially like, okay, I, I'm not the biggest advocate for Jared Allen right now. I don't, I don't understand how R.J. Barrett was snubbed and uh, Jared Allen is on this list. Okay. I don't know if that was just me, but you lagged really bad, but we'll just try to get over that. Um, Jared Allen, I think he can do well. He just needs to fit into that system well. He just needs to, like, find himself within the system. Because he's just, he's such a good rim defender, and he's such a, like, a rim, like, force. And he can do pretty well on offense, too. He's shooting on good splits. I just think he needs to find himself. So I'm not that mad at a Jared Allen on 23 even though I think he has a really good potential. But I'm obviously not mad at it. And then where would you say, who do you say has to go if RJ... Well, also, they're saying that he's better than his teammate, Colin Sexton, which I think is blasphemous. Yeah, I think that Colin Sexton is having a great season. I'll probably put... I would put Colin Sexton right around 20 which means I would put him right after Anthony Edwards and before DeAndre Ayton. Just because Anthony Edwards is has been doing so well since All-Star break, I think around 23 points per game on like around f- higher than 45% efficiency, which is great for Anthony Edwards, the rookie. 
And I think uh, Colin Sexton is better than DeAndre Ayton, especially this season. DeAndre Ayton's been kind of like a letdown, in my opinion. Um, and Colin Sexton has been leading the Cavs to some pretty good victories. I remember the those back-to-back Nets games where the Cavs won both of them when KD, Kyrie, and Harden all played, and they just won. And everybody was like, this Nets team sucks. Yeah, I think... I, I don't I don't understand this, the rankings. I think you could look even at defense. I think just in general, Colin Sexton's better than Jared Allen. And I don't really think you can really make you can make that much of an argument for Jar- Jared Allen over Colin Sexton. So that move definitely confuses me. You know, talking about players on the same team though, would you say that DeAndre Ayton has more should be higher on this list than Mikel Bridges? Or do you think the way they did it is fine? No, I do think DeAndre Aiden should be higher than Mikel Bridges. I'm just going to pretend like Mikel Bridges isn't on the list, and instead I'm seeing RJ Barrett there, just because I still can't fathom that Mikel Bridges is there. But DeAndre Aiden still has that potential. I mean, he played well last year, and he was a former first overall pick before like Luka and Trey Young. I do think he has it in him, but I think he just needs to figure it out. Obviously, with Chris Paul coming back, or coming 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 to Phoenix. He has to like figure things out, which you would think would be like easier now that Chris Paul is on the team, but like I guess it's not. Um but he has to figure things out and he's he's a he's still a young big inside the league and it's really hard for the bigs, the young bigs to succeed. Yeah. Right off the bat. I mean yeah, if I we look at the, if we look at the bigs on the list, we have like Zion who's just a generational talent. I don't even know if he can be. He's obviously classified as a big, but he plays so like interesting. Like he doesn't play like anybody else in the list or like pretty much in the league. So we got like Zion, and we got Bam Adebayo, and Bam Adebayo took a long time to develop. If you remember, he was like beside, or he was like behind Hassan Whiteside in minutes for a while on the Heat, which obviously is fine. He's grown into a great player. So we've got for- we've got Zion, Bam Adebayo. Uh, Sabonis and DeAndre Aiden and John Collins, Jared Allen, and that's just—I mean, that's just not that many bigs compared to the rest of the people on the team. Like, I think it just kind of shows how how much how how difficult it is for the the rookie bigs and young bigs to succeed and do well in this league. Now, I want to talk about Demontis Sabonis while we're mentioned his name. I think he is way too low. I think it's to really? me it's kind of surprising that someone like uh, Jamal Murray at thirteen is ahead of him. Although you could make an, you could, I would put them, I'd put him maybe directly behind Jamal Murray, or maybe directly in front of him, um, because um, he just makes such a big impact on the game, whether it's offensively, mostly offensively. Uh, he, he has such good vision. He has good. Rebound abilities, and he's such a dominant post player, which is pretty good. Um, I I would move him up. What? I I could see you putting um, Sabonis behind Jamal Murray, but it's just so crazy to say that Demonte Sabonis should be higher than Michael Porter Jr., John Murray, and Trey Young, because I think all three of those people should be ahead of Sabonis just because. 
yeah, Sabonis is really good right now, but he's also like barely in this list. Like if we're basing it off of somewhat potential, like Sabonis like is low for a reason, right? He is like 25 right now. Or he's like 24 and a half. And and he's not a superstar, right? While people like Trey Young and John Morant have that superstar potential. Well, I think you'd have to reorder the list a lot because I mean you could I mean I, that's where I'd put him but I still think someone like a Trey Young would be ahead of him so you'd have to do multiple like reworks I think with John his lack of progression this year is kind of worrisome to me he's putting up pretty similar splits as he did last year and worse efficiency I believe yeah uh, I mean so that's worrisome. his three-point shot has been kind of concerning but the one bright spot with him is that his team is doing pretty well without jaron jackson jr um they have a lot of they have like a weird amount of like solid players like you wouldn't expect it but they do like brennan clark and i'm blanking grayson allen obviously not college screw screw grayson allen nobody likes grayson allen man he tries to injure everybody sure but uh Uh, Dude, look at him. He, I mean, does it just Grayson Allen look like a nice person? You know, he's a, he's a Duke legend. If you had uh, a daughter, would you let your daughter daughter date Grayson Allen? I don't know. I've never met him before. You know, probably not. Uh, maybe I don't know. Nah. Uh, he may have grown from his actions back in college, but back what he did in college definitely wasn't you know ideal and a good look for him. What do you do again? Um. Tripped like five people. What did he do? Perfectly. He tripped players. Like he, he still he still does that though. Remember remember earlier in the season when he like tried to trip Trey Young and then Trey Young like tried to shove him. That's pretty funny. I feel like, but a lot of players like like you can't look at it, like there are very few players who don't have any who are like perfect on and off the court. So I think I think that's a separate topic, but it's interesting well, nonetheless. I think. If you want to be a superstar in this league, you kind of have to be that guy on and off the court. Like, look at the superstars. I guess maybe one of them that you could say, the ones you could say that aren't, like, the superstar off the court, too. It's, like, Kevin Durant and James Harden, like, those type of guys. But, like, everybody else, man. Like, Luka, Zion, LaMelo, those are the top three on the list. Those guys are all great off the court. And then just the superstars that have been in the league for a long time, like LeBron and Curry, those guys are like inspirational. They're just straight up inspirational. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anyone's making the uh, argument though that uh, Jason Allen is going to be a superstar. So, but I I, I think he. You're not making that argument. No, you asked me. If I think he, I think Grayson Allen's on the cusp of being on this list. To be honest, like Grayson uh, Allen. Yeah, Grayson Allen. Like, I think he should be right behind, like, De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I thought you were serious for a minute, and I was very, very confused. I was like, Jason. Chris Allen's, like, kind of a monster. And he is averaging 10 points per game, and he did score 30 points in their last game, so. <laughs> what? He scored 30? Yeah. Okay, maybe he's, he's kind of a monster. He's 25, though, so he wouldn't even be on this list, so... 25? Yeah. <laughs> so... He's way too old to be doing this, though. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's why he's not on the list. 
He's 25. Otherwise, he would have been like right next to it. Okay, the one thing that I think is interesting is that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. at 13 and 14, which is, I think that's around a good place to put them. But how much do you think Jokic has an impact on Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr.? How much do you think, how good do you think they are individually versus how good Jokic makes them look? That's a good question, actually. I think it has more of an effect, in my opinion, on like a, uh, a Michael Porter Jr. kind of guy because when he has when you're in an offense with Jamal Murray and Jokic, you're the third option, and that means you, you get the third amount. The defense doesn't focus on you constantly, and because they have to focus on Nikola Jokic, who's probably going to be MVP this year. So I'd say uh, Porter Jr. benefits a lot from that, as you can see. Like if you if you look at his stats, you can see he doesn't even have average assist an assist a game. So he clearly benefits based on him not being the focal point of the defense. I think uh, Jamal Murray, he's still like, I'd say he benefits, but I'd say uh, he he does a lot of his work like ISO and he doesn't need, or he's like not as uh, affected by uh, Nikola Jokic kind of guy in comparison to Michael Porter Jr. Do you agree with that or no? I, I, I think I agree. Um, Although I could kind of see a list where Michael Porter Jr. is above Jamal Murray. Just because Michael Porter Jr. is doing all the stuff that he does, 17 points and 6 rebounds, on like amazing efficiency. I think in the past 10 games, he's shooting something like 50% from 3 and obviously over 50% from the floor, which is just straight up ridiculous for what is what is he not? Like a third-year player? It's straight yeah. up ridiculous. Like, I don't... How do the Nuggets keep getting these guys? I remember on draft night, it was like, how did Michael Porter Jr. fall to what, like 12th, 14th? How did he fall 14. to 14th? It was his back problems, which yeah, is like he was injured. Yeah, it was his back. But it, I feel like that was just like a case of like the rich keep getting richer because like the Nuggets had the 14th pick, but they're just in a situation where they could just like bet on someone. They're just like, yeah, we'll take Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, he could be a scrub, but. It doesn't really matter. We have we have these other guys, so let's just take a let's just take like a bet on him, and it worked. I remember that draft. The Clippers had the f- picks directly in front of that. They had two, and I was absolutely terrified that they would pick Michael Porter Jr. because I saw him in college while he played, and I was a, b- a big fan of him back when he was in high school. And I knew that once he was healthy, he was going to play well. And I was so happy when they didn't pick him, and they decided to pick uh, what was it, Jerome Robinson and Shea Gilchrist Alexander. Might not well, I, don't, I don't think they did too bad on Shea. Imagine they picked Shea and Michael Porter Jr. That would have been just... That would have been scary. League league destroyed. Yeah. Was he? He was picked. Okay, I was right about the Jerome Robinson thing. Um, so I think yeah. This list does a pretty good job of, like, encapsulating everyone that's, like, under 25 like, in the list, top 25, under 25. Like, the only major snub is R.J. Barrett. But, like, despite, like, the where they put them on the list, like, at least they're on the list, you know? Like, we can argue all we want about how low Nemanja Sabotis is, but at least he made the list, you know? So it's not that bad of a list. Um, They're obviously going for some controversy, and that's why they put, like, Lomelo at three. But I think if they really want controversy, they would put James Wiseman at number one just because he is going to be a generational superstar and he is going to be a future MVP of the league. 
think <laughs> I don't know about that one. But Not, uh, J- James Wiseman, I think it'd be so interesting to be put on the list just because, like, if they wanted to get some popularity, just because of how much media attention he's getting for being trash, right? And I'm a Warriors fan. I'm a diehard Warriors fan, and I I love James Wiseman. Don't get me twisted, but like every single place online is like trashing Wiseman right now, and it's That's what- it's kind of crazy to be honest. It's the Luka effect. You just look infinitely worse when the pick behind you is so much better. I think people overrate Lamelo a bit right now. I mean, not overrate. I mean, but um, since Lamelo's playing so well, I think Wiseman and his uh, is looking is frowned upon because people consider it a mistake of a pick. But another thing about this list in general, it's interesting to see how they. Like they try and rank players based on where they are now and based on where they could be in two, three years. And I think as we've gone through this, I've realized that they they tried to find like a a medium place between the two. And um, yeah, I think low key. Um, that's why this is so just bad. It's like you got it. You either got to go just straight up potential or you got to go straight up like players right now because this medium stuff does not work. It just, this what just doesn't did, work. They had three writers and they averaged the, uh, the, what the writer, writer said and for their list. So I'm assuming three writers had different opinions and values. Like, I think that's why, uh, Jason or someone slipped. Maybe it might have been Devin Booker. Um, because people just, it was just three different people's opinions and it was averaged to put in this mm-hmm. list okay so going back on that wiseman topic i think it's it's kind of i'm a warriors fan and i go on all these like warriors forums and i talk to a lot of other warriors fans a lot of them have that opinion that we should have picked up lamella ball and you know kicked kicked uh, wiseman to the curb and lamello is looking really good right now you can't take anything away from lamello if we have him we probably have what like six more wins but I think LaMelo came into the league, like I said earlier, LaMelo came into the league with that professional experience, with that, you know, he can do these things, right? But Wiseman came into the league only, like, straight out of high school. He went to Memphis for, like, two games before he got kicked out of the NCAA. So he, he, he needs this time to develop. And I think he looks especially raw right now just because he doesn't, he, he missed training camp. And he, they don't have practices very often because of COVID. So he just looks really raw right now. But I still think that Wiseman was the pick there. I still would rather take Wiseman at two than, than LaMelo at two. And I would not go back on that decision. I think just that's definitely a hot take. I think, I, th- I, I think it might be a hot take. But Wiseman is just, if you watch him, yeah, his numbers look bad. His advanced stats look hor- horrible. Right? But if you watch him, he has, he has these like glimpses of what he can be. And he really does care for the game. And you can see that a lot. Like he, he wants to be better. And maybe that's why he's not doing too well right now is because he wants to do all these things and he just can't do it. So he, he looks kind of like he's sulking on the court. But he, he really does care for the game. And he has all these athletic, like, <laughs> athletic specialties that nobody else in the league really has. Like he's seven foot one. He can get down the court like faster than pretty much anybody else. And he just ha- he ha- he's insanely athletic and he has a shot. It's just 
the minor things or not the minor things but just like the things that can be learned that are messing him up like his defensive awareness and how like deer in headlights he looks in the post but those things can be fixed he just needs to fix them i think the biggest thing with wiseman is that he needs more experience on the court i think on your in your rookie year i'm okay so for the fans that are out there I'm a big Laker fan, and for the fans, for you, Mr. Yeah. Valencia that's out there, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Valencia, probably too dumb. <laughs> the two other people that may listen to this, but for, I'm for mom big, and dad, for mom and dad, yeah, yeah obviously, uh, <laughs> I'm a big Laker fan, and constantly I've been, especially a few years ago when the Lakers were tanking, like. You, I was constantly disappointed by how players played in their rookie year. Like, for example, Brandon Ingram. I expected him to be so good out of uh, college, but he was, like, garbage his first year. And I think that's a similar thing with James Wiseman. James Wiseman has to grow into himself and get more comfortable out on the NBA floor. And I think the best way to do that is just shove him on the court, like, 30, 35 minutes a game, and give him all the experience that, that uh, he needs to progress and Steve Kerr should let him fail and let him learn from his failures in order to help him because in order to help him develop as a player, because the Warriors aren't going to do anything this year. The Warriors, if they don't, they have a, I don't think they're going to be contenders next year, but if they have a, uh, if they think they might think they're contenders. So they should spend the rest of this year, just being mediocre and letting Wiseman get all the minutes he can. So next year he can, he's more developed and ready to play bigger minutes on a consistent basis on a winning team. Sorry guys, we just had some recording issues, so we have no idea where we left off, but we're just going to move past the ESPN 2525 list. And we're going to move on to some things that are going on in the league right now. And the first thing that we want to talk about is Andre Drummond to the Lakers. So we'll let the Lakers fan start it. Yeah. I, I, I think there's two sides to this movie. I feel like a lot of fans are really excited about it. Because it could be that player, Andre Drummond could be that player that takes the Lakers over the top. But I feel a lot of other fans, I, I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. But a lot of other fans are skeptical because if you look at what the Lakers did last year, in the current la- landscape of the NBA, it's not really viable to have two big men on the court at the same time during the playoffs. I think I think Andre Drummond has a lot of upside on the Lakers, but he also has a lot of downside because he doesn't really give them what they need. I mean, he's a good rebounder. He's a good He's a good rebounder, uh, but he he's kind of mediocre everywhere else. He's not like he's not like a great defender. He's not a great finisher, and that's kind of what the Lakers need. So if he can like if he can play his role really well, like Dwight Howard did, and like Javale McGee did, I think he could make a big impact on the Lakers. But in the playoffs, in come playoff time, I don't know how much he can really do with them. What do you think, Jason? I think the Lakers and a lot of Lakers fans are trying to make Andre Drummond seem like a player that he's not. Like, he's not this kind of guy that will easily share the f- the floor and be selfless and get an offensive rebound and kick it out to LeBron. Like, hopefully he can be that guy just because it would be fun to watch. But he never has been that guy. He's been that he's been the type of guy to lay up, lay it up, grab his own offensive rebound, and then just shoot it over three people anyway and miss right he's been that guy he hasn't been the guy to you know be a winner so far in his career but obviously he's only like 26 and he can change that but he's never played 
he's never played with a LeBron or AD type player. So I think like the best who's the best player that he's played with? Like G Jackson? Blake Griffin? Like, oh yeah, Blake Griffin. I forgot about him. But like 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 that's not like still like a contender. They aren't that great. They, he's never been on a team that's contending and he's never had an opportunity where he isn't even remotely focal point on offense. I yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying, though. I'm like, so the he, the Lakers and Lakers fans are expecting something from him that he's never personally done before, right? We can say he's never been on a contender all we want, but he's never showed us like he's never showed us these things that they're saying he's gonna do. He's never he's never showed us the selflessness that he carries. Um, and but they're expecting him to come in and be the second guy to AD and he's never showed that to us before so if he can do that that if he can do all these things that they're expecting then the Lakers get a lot better from this but if he is the same guy that we've seen from Cleveland and Detroit then I don't think they get that much better I think a good comparison is Dwight Howard um when the Lakers signed Dwight Howard last year everyone hated him he was a, a locker room cancer he had he ruined a lot of team a lot of different teams cultures and he was given the opportunity on the Lakers to play a specific role and no one thought he could really do it which is why he was signed in like September that year um but he came in and he did his thing and with the Lakers fans as a Laker fan I hope what I expect out of Andre Drummond is to do is for him to do what Dwight Howard did at a higher level but my biggest problem with that is that Dwight Howard was a really good defender, and Andre Drummond's not that. And also, Dwight Howard was a good finisher, and also, Andre Drummond's not that. So, it makes me a bit worried, to be honest, because I have these expectations. Like, like Dwight Howard played... He he wasn't, like, good for any teams before the Lakers. Like, being good as in, like, helping win, helping the team win. But his strengths like made it so he could transition to a role where he wasn't as dominant. But I don't know how well Andre Drummond can do at catching lobs, shooting one foot shots and blocking shots and holding down the paint. And like how come so, um, Yeah. I I feel like the situation is a kind of different for Andre Drummond and Dwight Howard, just kind of based off of what they want out of the situation. I feel like Andre Drummond came to the Lakers because he wants to kind of revive his career and he wants to get a max or a big contract in the future, right? And I think he said that before. I think he said he wants a lot of money in his next contract. So when this buyout is done. And I, I think it's kind of different from why Dwight Howard came to the Lakers. Dwight Howard came to the Lakers because he wanted to solidify his legacy as a Hall of Famer, right? So it's kind of what you want out of the situation. It's a lot easier in my opinion, to be selfless like Dwight Howard kind of was when he's not looking for anything after the season. He can sit back and take 10 minutes a game and he can sit back and give all his rebounds and pass it to LeBron because he doesn't. he's not looking for a contract in the future. He's not looking for a max contract when the season's over. And I feel like that's kind of different for Andre Drummond where he's he wants to play more than 10 minutes a game if that's all he can play in the playoffs because he's looking for that contract. He's looking for another team to sign him. Um, so I feel like it's kind of different situations and asking that Dwight Howard shift from Andre Drummond is kind of out there. And I feel like it 
it is a little hard to be done in reality. I don't think Andre Drummond is coming into the Lakers situation expecting to get a max contract out of what he's doing. I don't think he would have chose the Lakers if he genuinely thought that he wanted to get a max contract after after this year. I think he chose to be on the Lakers because he wanted to be part of a winning culture. If he wanted a max contract, he would have gone to someone like the Celtics who would would have given him a bigger role than what the Lakers will do. Um, I think he realizes by signing with this team, he won't get a lot of opportunities. I mean, I think he just wants to win, to be honest. I think he's had this reputation as not a winner for the majority of his career, and he wants to somewhat change it. And you could see during his first press conference with the Lakers, he wants to, he said he wants to win, although that's like a generic phrase that everyone says. But I have a weird feeling that he somewhat means it based because because if he there's no way he could have came into the LA situation genuinely thinking that he was gonna get a max contract out of this year like so with the Pistons he was asking and expecting a max contract and he <laughs> Andre Drummond wants a maximum contract and expects his desire to stay with the Detroit Pistons so I think he's still looking for that max contract. Because that was only a year ago. Yeah, but a lot I, changes in a year. Um, I think he probably wants it, but I don't think it's his first goal right now. He definitely, I don't think it hurt, but he wouldn't make this move to LA if he was just, it was just about the money. He, there's more than the money to this, in my opinion. And I think that's, that's why he came. I think, I think it's really going to be like, kind of for him, like an issue of, his legacy versus like his pockets and reputation, you know, or I, it's kind of hard to say it, but like he can put up these great counting stats, but it could be a detriment to the team in the long run. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he could try to like look and try to score this many X amount of points per game, but maybe that's not the best shot that could be taken, you know? So it's got, it's really a give and take for Andre Drummond. And so far in this in his career he's taken more than he's given but maybe with the lakers it can be this culture shock that changes his attitude and everything surrounding him yeah i think for him i think if you especially if you look you're looking at legacy it's going to be really how how well does he fit his role and above that how well how much can he really be used in the playoffs like his legacy won't grow at all if he's just sitting the bench like or maybe it'll grow a bit but like i think he wants to be a big part of the team like he wants to get 20 25 minutes a game he might not care about the stats in the max contract but he wants to get minutes and he wants to be a big part of why the lakers are winning so i think for him if he comes into this situation and then he gets benched like the javale and dwight howard did against or last uh, last year uh i think i think it could be a disappointment for him uh be honest well so i think in the playoffs depending on which team he's going against he's going to be borderline kind of like unplayable next to ad because let's say they go against the nuggets which is a very scary team for the lakers to have to go against um he can't guard Jokic, right so you got to put anthony davis on Jokic because at least you got defenders um but they they can't coexist on the same floor when you're going against an elite big like Jokic. Maybe if they're going against someone like the Jazz, where the elite big is on the other side of the floor, where Rudy Gobert is the best, one of the best defenders in the league, 
and Andre Drummond doesn't have all that slack on the defensive slide, maybe he can be playable in that type of series. But just against like a team like the Nuggets, it's just straight up over, you know? Like he, honestly, he's going to be sitting from the majority of the game. I honestly think it's even hard to put him against like a Jazz, like say power forward right now. Like, um, uh, what's his name? Is it Joe Ingles? Uh, I think it's Royce O'Neal. Um, it's Royce O'Neal, I think. Mm-hmm. Like Royce O'Neal, like if you put him, okay, it would be a match uh, if, like, let's say he was guarding Drummond. Like Drummond has the the heck, eh, but he's like Drummond can't laterally play with Royce O'Neal. Although Royce O'Neal isn't that good offensively. It's like even against a big team, I think like, it's Bogdanovich. It's either or. They both play forwards. Neither of them, like, like Drummond couldn't keep up with either of them on the perimeter. So I think the NBA has kind of gone away from the too big kind of model. So it's hard for two bigs to thrive. Like, I can't really think of one team, to be honest, that I would say with 100% confidence that you could play Drummond and AD 30 minutes against, and they wouldn't, the Lakers would be perfectly fine uh, with how they are. Because every... All these teams are getting all these players that can do everything, and Andre Drummond isn't a good enough a defender to um, make up for everything, in my opinion. Yeah, I could see that. Um, moving on, uh, talking mm-hmm. about the playoffs, still, the West has the possibility of being some. Of, this could be one of the greatest playoffs in the history just because um the matchups that could happen we could possibly see a clippers fourth seed versus a lakers fifth seed in the first round um which is completely crazy and also other series would be amazing we could see a warriors possibly sticking into the eighth seed and i mean as obviously as a biased warriors fan but you just don't want to see the warriors in the eighth seed because of all their veteran experience you want to see like a like a spurs or a grizzlies or something like that and then you also have the West is just so solid this year. It's kind of hard to pick a, a a West winner besides the Lakers, but the Lakers are probably gonna have a pretty hard path. So, what do you think? Well, if, you, if you look at the the three, four, and five seed, the Clippers, Nuggets, Lakers, any two of those teams in a first round matchup would be absolutely insane. Like a Lakers, okay, I would no, I'd hate a Lakers Clippers matchup in the first round just because I think that's too soon. But, um. I think like a Nuggets Clippers first round or a Nuggets Lakers first round would be amazing. It's like a, it would be a rematch of the a conference finals last year or a rematch of the semifinals last year, which would definitely bring up viewership because everyone would want to watch that. And there are a lot of potential good. There will be some good series early on this year. I can say that with confidence. Like the top seven teams in the West are like crazy good. So. Whatever happens, um, I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's just so hard, in my opinion, with the Nets just existing. Like, the fact that they're a team, you know? Because the Nets are going to kind of have an easier path to the finals, in my opinion, than any other Western team. Like, I can't imagine the Lakers having a necessarily easy path to the finals, whereas the Nets could possibly go against the Hornets in the second round, right? Like, the 
the East is, we all know the East is the worst conference, but just when it comes to it, the Nets in the finals, especially if they have all their stars and they have rest because they're able to go against an easy Eastern conference, that's, that's just even scarier. Yeah. It, they're going to sweep every team. I think it is scary. There's literally no one in the East that I think could beat them. They'll get to the finals easily. It's just a matter of which team in the West can come out and challenge them. I think the Lakers could have put up a fight against them. I think that's the only team. Maybe the Clippers, but like... I think the West is hard. going to kind of be a dogfight this year. Like, obviously we hope LeBron and AD come back the same after injury, but you never know. LeBron's getting older, and this is a somewhat serious injury. They'll be fine. It's kind of serious. This is a nagging. It's a pretty nagging injury, from what I've read. It's not um, going to ruin his career, though. It's not going to ruin his career, no. But it could have some kind of impact. And just to bring him the back West slowly. is such a dogfight. Like, besides, like the, the Lakers don't want to have to see the Suns, just because that would be a good matchup. I think that game is going. That series is going to like at least six. Probably want to see six. that. I'd what? love to see that. I'd love to but see would that. Would you like to see that in like the first round? Yeah, I'd no. be fine with that. Really? Lakers could beat the Suns. That's oh, a hard. That's a hard. Who, who's guarding Chris Paul? It doesn't matter who can guard Chris Paul. Who's guarding LeBron? Who's guarding AD? No one. You got the seventeenth, Mikel Bridges, and you got DeAndre Ayton. Monsters. DeAndre Ayton can't play defense, and Mikel Bridges isn't strong enough. Mikel Bridges would do better at guarding someone like a uh, Devin Booker, but they're on the same team. But like, yeah, that that's true. I, I, I don't want to take away anything from the Suns and Jazz, but just from a neutral perspective, it's kind of like you kind of want to go against them, even though they're one and two seed, compared to like Clippers and and uh, Nuggets. I just feel like the Clippers and Nuggets are kind of harder to match up against. Whereas the Suns and Jazz kind of have very solid lineups throughout. Like the the Jazz are kind of like a lot of the people on the Jazz are good, right? You got Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert is obviously like the people that are really good. But then everybody else is just like good. And I don't know how much that helps in a playoff race, you know? In a in a playoff series. Yeah, I'm not terribly worried about those two teams. I don't think either. I let's put this like this. I'd be very surprised if the Jazz came out of the West. And I'd be even more surprised if um the Suns came out of the West. Now, uh, if there is one path the war the Lakers absolutely do not want to have is it is Clippers and Nuggets. Having to go against those two teams for the Lakers would be like an ultimate just like I don't want to have to do this, right? I feel like the Nuggets face up against the Lakers really well, right? You can put Aaron Gordon on LeBron and AD. You just you stick Jokic on him. Jokic can't guard AD, but AD can't guard Jokic either. Or maybe he can. He can't guard anybody else. Nobody else in the Lakers can guard anybody at the Nuggets. I feel like they match up pretty well, you know? Yeah, they do. If you look last year, AD and Jokic played. But it's that's just another series where you can't have uh, an Andre Drummond kind of guy. Uh, yeah. On the, so I think, I mean, especially with uh, the Nuggets getting Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon is that guy. That he's that guy that can guard. Like he can do a good, a solid job at guarding LeBron. He can you can stick him on like a like the other team's best like two through four, 
and he'll do a pretty good job. And he's also there. He he can be pretty efficient in games. You know, he's just what the Nuggets needed to take them to the next step. You know. Yeah, I think I think since they lost Jeremy Grant, they needed that player that can fill his role, and uh, Aaron Gordon definitely fills it. I think the Lakers. I think I think Aaron Gordon this year might be better than Jeremy Grant was last year for the Nuggets. Obviously, Jeremy Grant is like a monster this year, but I just think Aaron Gordon, he might not be the better player than Jeremy Grant was last year, but he fills that role better, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I think he fits the system better. Uh, Jeremy Grant didn't really come out. Honestly, he just played well against the Lakers, which is why he got that contract. Um, so I think I think Aaron Gordon's more consistent. He'll He'll do good against the Lakers or against any other team, and he he's what they need. And, and I, I, I don't know. I kind of think it's a little hard to just be a Lakers fan or just be an NBA fan and be like, the Lakers beat the Nuggets easily last year, so they'll beat them this year, right? But I think last year was such like a like an outlier of years, especially for the Nuggets, where they had to every <laughs> where every single series they played against was going to seven games, and they were just dead tired and. I remember that Jamal Murray clip where it was like game seven. It was finally over. It was like Tuesday, right? And then the announcer, whoever the interviewer was like, how do you feel about playing the Lakers on Thursday? He's like, huh? We're playing them on Thursday? Like the Nuggets were absolutely gassed by the time they got to the Lakers. And I'm not taking anything away from the Lakers, but it was just straight up fact. Like the Nuggets were just gone. And the Lakers beat everybody in five. Because I feel like they kind of had an easier like way to the final way to the conference finals than the Nuggets. And that's to be honest, I think the the Nuggets were better in the playoffs last year than they will be this year because Jamal Murray was on a tear last year. People were thinking he was gonna come out, have an all star season this year. Jeremy Graham was playing the best basketball of his life and at that point. And everyone was just perfect besides like MPJ. But like they played really solid basketball last year and they're gonna have to play really solid basketball again to get back to that point. I think they could easily get to that point because Michael, as long as Michael Porter Jr. continues how he's been playing, because he, he took that next step that he needed to. And Jokic has been playing like an MVP player. Can, um, I mean, he was good last year, but he wasn't Jokic this year, in my opinion. Yeah. And the thing with Jamal Murray is, yes, he was good, but he was good in some games. If you look at it in his like series, he's like, he gets a 50-point game, and then he gets 14. He gets 40, and then he gets 12, right? So is he needs to be consistent. It's not like he was consistently amazing. He was like, yeah, he put up 40, then he put up 50, but then in Game 7, he put up like 14, you know? Yeah, consistency was an issue, but I think, I don't know, I I, I, I think they it's it's hard to say that they're going to be better this year. Um, I think, I mean, they're scary, but... I don't know how much more scary they are to me than they were last year. At all. I don't know. I think they're I think they're pretty scary, especially with Faku. Yeah, oh yeah, Faku. Faku's a complete monster. Yeah. So uh some other things that happened in the league uh today, especially. The Warriors signed uh, Gary Payton the second. He's gonna be a straight monster, just saying that out. Just putting that yeah. out there. Uh, Isaiah I, Thomas. Debuted recently for the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, do you want to say something about Gary Payton? I do. I do. I'm a big fan of Gary Payton the second. It's to me, it's kind of surprising that he hasn't been in the league more full time because he's 
so solid. I mean, he's not like he's not gonna be a star, but he's gonna be consistent, play good defense, play mediocre on offense. And like I saw him through the Lakers G League when he played for the Lakers a few times, when he played for the Wizards last year, played for like all those other teams that he's been on. But I think I think he's gonna do a good job these next ten days, proving that he or he's gonna do a good job uh replacing Brad Wanamaker's um production now that Brad Wanamaker yeah. did. So I'm excited I, to see what he can do. Cause all the Warriors fans kinda like hated Brad Wanamaker. Um he was kinda like the scapegoat. But when you kinda look back at it, like Bron Brad Wanamaker is kinda solid for us because he he was good on defense and our second unit thrived when they were like a solid second unit when we could just be like kind of like grungy and yeah. you know play kind of kind of like elongated and just wait until Steph came back. Yeah. Um, they don't do as well when they don't have good defense and we got to rely on our offense because we have a lot of streaky players in our second unit. And I think Gary Payton can be a good person alongside Jordan Poole where Jordan Poole can just try to get buckets and Gary Payton can just try to defend. Um, and then moving on, we probably talk way too much about that. <laughs> Let's talk about the Isaiah Thomas debut with the New Orleans Pelicans. He signed, what, a 10-day? A 10-day contract for them. Yeah, so he signed a ten-day. Um, he signed most likely because Nikhil Alexander Walker and Kyra Lewis, right? They yeah. were both out for a couple. They're they're both day-to-day injuries, as fantasy would say. And what were you saying? Oh, I was gonna say I'm excited to see what he can do on uh, the Pelicans. Obviously, I don't think he's actually gonna be there for more than ten days, but hopefully, he can prove himself. Maybe he'll stay stick around, but I don't see that likely. Uh, just based on the fact, actually, no, he could be a good mentor for uh Nikhil Alexander Walker, but I'm assuming he wants playing time. And I think if he could be, if he plays better in these upcoming games, which he could, like that was his first basketball game in like a year, he could earn a spot on a team. I don't know what team, so, a team. To put. Uh, how Isaiah Thomas has been playing in just statistical, just in Justin, Justin's stats, he's been averaging 22 minutes per game. He's played two games. He is shooting 32% from the field. He is shooting uh, 25% from three, 100% from the free throw line on one attempt. <laughs> he's got, uh, he's averages one rebound, um, two and a half assists, and two and a half turnovers uh, with a grand total of 10 and a half points. So, I feel like that's solid, kind of. He obviously needs to pick that efficiency up because the 32% is not going to cut it. Especially with being a not positive defender, to say nicely. Um, What do you think? Well, he's obviously going to need to improve the efficiency, but I think I gave him a lot of slack. It's his first two games back since Washington, like, over a year ago. So, I th- I think it would be would be crazy to it come in to see him come in and expect him to actually play efficiently. So I think this is kind of what I expected. But I think if he really wants to earn a long term contract. He's gonna need to play more efficiently and just play better. But, but honestly, I don't see him as a player in the NBA right now that's gonna get that many minutes. I see him as a player that could mentor players and that could help out the next generation. And you know. Kind of like a Jared Dudley kind of role. Yeah, I could see that. 
I think he could be a good mentor. I mean, he's very he's a very strong um, mental person, and I think he 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 would be a good mentor. So I think he could be a good like end of the end of the bench guy. Could put up put up fifty in a couple games. <laughs> yeah, I I think he'll have to prove himself if you if you want to get minutes. But I I think I think another team should give him a chance definitely. Um, and then maybe if he does that, you know, who knows? We could see a few fifty point games in the next few weeks. But uh, you see in a, in I'm gonna watch this in a, the Thunder's Alexa Pokusevsky. Pokus. Yeah. Last five games, he's been averaging 18.6 points, 5.2 rebounds, 2.8 assists on 45, 46-63 splits. I've not seen that, but um, I do see that now. I think <laughs> I think he's another one of those guys that's a project player, Um, but yeah. he's been playing well recently, and that could be good. It could, they could have yet another steal. It's crazy how much they finesse. Like they they just find these random players and they're they all turn out good. And it's so weird. Well, I think it's more of their culture than anything else. I think they have a a good like winning kind of development culture. Yeah. That like anybody that goes there is going to be pretty solid. Poku Poku is he has he has so much potential though. Like. He's still severely underweight to eat. He's like what, what, 190 right now, I think. Yeah. And like once he fills out, he becomes stronger, uh, and he, he comes more rounded. Like he has all he's like a high ceiling because he's just so raw right now. And I think raw. He, huh? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't take paused. that out of contact. I pause that real quick. <laughs> I mean, it's a player, but uh, he's he's I raw think... as a. Where's <laughs> the pause? <laughs> it's a very common phrase, Jason. You're this. You're trying to make this weird. What it is? Its weird. skills are pretty raw, right? Not nothing else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you tried so hard to make this weird. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah. Uh, he, he has a lot of potential and and. I think if any organization could develop him into the player that he could be, it would be the Thunder. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, that's all the pot. That's all the podcast ideas we had written down. Let's see if we can think of any real quick. Oh, uh, I have something I want to talk about really quickly though. What? Taylor Horn Tucker and got it. Uh, got suspended for one game. Good. Because he left yeah. the bench, and I hate that. I mean, I get it, but crazy. NBA has a very stern rule: you leave the bench, you get suspended. How be? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't yeah. know. I'm not that mad at it because it's like it's not like a, an opinionated thing. It's just like a rule, right? It's like, like yeah. if the ball touches the backboard and you block it, that's a goaltend, right? If you leave the bench when you're not supposed to be in it, that's a a technical or suspension or whatever, right? It's not like a very like subjective thing. It's just like that's what should have happened, you know? Yeah, I think it's unfortunate, uh, but I guess in hindsight they are following the rules and they're trying to prevent uh, malice at the palace from happening again. So, um, 
I mean, I guess it's a smart move. They also suspended uh, Fred Van Fleet and DeAndre Bembry too, which is probably more notable than Taylor Horton Tucker. But um, so I think what do you think about that? What? (laughs) What do I think? You just went. I think. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) I think I say I think a lot. (laughs) I've noticed that. Um, Gotta be solid. Yeah, I mean, I don't have like a strong opinion on this. I just, I was gonna say, I think again, but uh, I. It's good that they're following the rules. Hopefully, Taylor Horn Tucker realizes that you're not supposed to engage in fights, even though he didn't. He just like left the bench. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think. I just thought about I just thought about this again, man. Like the Warriors as an eighth seed, it's like yeah, they're not great this year, but it's still not a team you ever want to go against as an eighth seed, you know. Especially as like a Jazz. I'd rather see them in the thing. lottery. Imagine they get in the lottery and they get the first pick somehow. Oh yeah, because they could get in as the tenth seed technically, right? When two play ends. Oh yeah, they could. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> Worse, yeah. Yo, this we'll could be the first season where someone can win the finals and win the lottery at the same time. But when the team that made the playoffs not be in the lottery then? It does I thought it still went by seeding. No, I assume if they made the playoffs, they wouldn't be in the lottery because the lottery is teams that didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I don't really know how it works. Yeah. That'd still be funny though. Yeah, Imagine. But... But yeah, the war. I, I yeah, I I just have I have hope for the Warriors in the future. Um, one of their business guys just uh, retired today, so hope he has a happy retirement. Never his name though. <laughs> okay. All right, okay. I think that might be it for the uh, whatever this podcast is gonna be named podcast. And uh, yeah, I don't know if anybody's still listening to this. I hope you're not, because that'd be stupid. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway have a good one we gotta tell uh we gotta tell craig to stop recording and uh sayonara yes that was good interesting how do we get craig to stop recording <laughs>